Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in episode 282 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Grow and KSR Podcast Network presented by Justice Dental. Today's show is a very fun one filled with a lot of breaking news, kind of a surprisingly uh, news-heavy week, I, I guess you could say, Sean. We'll talk about the return of the Indiana-Kentucky series. The rivalry is back, and we will talk about Rajon Rondo's uh, return to Lexington and kind of some some closure on the whether Rajon Rondo will be on the staff or not. We finally got some. I got to ask him myself uh, about the news on that, so we will uh, definitely be talking about that and a lot of recruiting news. You do not want to miss that, but before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources say is presented by uh, the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859-543-0700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team look forward to seeing you soon. Sean, the return of Kentucky versus Indiana, the rivalry that I think everybody in Hoosierland has been dying for. I mean, begging the administration, uh, begging John Calipari to uh, get this series started. It has been rumored for well over a year now. Cal, I think at SEC Media Days last year, confirmed that it was happening, uh, said that he thought that it would return uh, – 2025 2026 we finally get the official announcement a four-year series that starts at Rupp Arena on December 20th 2025 then uh, goes up to Lucas Oil Stadium December 27th 2026 December uh, 18th 2027 back at Rupp Arena and then the one that we're all waiting for December 16th 2028 John Calipari's return on paper to Assembly Hall uh Four-year series, man. This is one that I think uh, Kentucky fans all would probably want. If you really ask them personally, do you want the Kentucky-Indiana series to return? Uh, I think the majority of fans would tell you they do. Um, yeah. But it's it's more of a toss-up than I think you'd think because of just how terrible Indiana basketball has been as of late. And I, I think the feedback today is a lot more mixed than I was anticipating of a lot of people saying, why are we even trying to bring back something that's dead? You know, uh, I think Mike, Mike Woodson has been pushing this for a really long time since he got hired. John Calipari is a very close friend of Mike Woodson. It made sense to kind of get this thing rolling again. But uh, I think there's a reason why this was kicked down. Kick, the, the can was kicked so far down the street with this one, especially with that return to assembly hall. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I, I hear you great. You, you got you're good. I have no idea what's happening on my end here. You're good. All right, you got me. I don't have you, but I'll just I'll start talking and I'll fix it in my ear. But no, it's uh, 
it's an exciting time, right? It's something that we've been waiting on with this series for, for a very long time. I mean, 2011 since the last time that these two teams played, you know, a regular season matchup. And it was one that has been talked about for a long time with how it ended. And, and we know that John Calipari was not happy with the way that that transpired up there with the court storming and, and the safety of his players. But it's interesting the order that this series has been slated, right, with uh, the first one at Rupp, then a neutral, and then another one at Rupp, and then one at Assembly Hall. And, I mean, we're not going to dig deep into it, but it is worth noting that that's a long ways away. And uh, I hope that John Calipari is here for the return to that trip, to assemb- uh, that return trip to Assembly Hall there late in the series. But you were talking about are fans excited about it or not. I, I think the majority will be because the biggest talk, Jack, has always been about what does the schedule look like getting at the conference play? What are some dates that give, get you excited about Kentucky basketball season? That's a game that fans will be excited about regardless of where it's placed on the schedule. If it's in November or December, we know that first one is in December there, and that, that seems to be the, the right spot for that series to be played right there before Christmas. But it's a matchup that will get you excited about a non-conference date in addition to champions, if that's still a thing when that time gets here, CBS, Kentucky Gonzaga. Like there, There's a lot of things that are being done about this schedule the last two years that I think John Calipari is definitely getting some excitement back. In Cal – his quote, I think, was really interesting. I'll, I'll read through some of the other ones. Mitch Barnhart, uh, the IU athletic director, and and we got a quote from Mike Woodson. But Cal says, this is a really important rivalry to our fans in the game of college basketball, and we're happy to bring it back. Mike and I have been friends for years, and I have the utmost respect for him as a coach and as a man. Let's do this. I, I, I want to ask you about those words, that, this is a really important rivalry to our fans and the game of college basketball. Sean, how how important is it for college basketball to get this this series return? Now, Sean's saying that he can't hear me on my end. So, it, it, can people hear me? I, I'm hoping that we'd get some comments. I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal is with this. It's kind of frustrating that audio always tends to mess up here but uh yeah it's a really important series i think for college basketball just for for historic reasons i I know the recent series isn't what i I think fans have been hoping for i think fans have uh whether they want to admit it or not i think fans want this i think that when the game is actually tipped and you get that return to rup arena and you get that you know the historic vibe and the 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 uh, you know, if it's played on CBS or whatever, the, the, the if it will have an old time co- co- classic college basketball feel to it that I think college Kentucky fans will really appreciate and in all of college basketball will be able to buy back in and and really enjoy that. So I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. I know uh, it's kind of a polarizing topic today with a lot of people saying that Indiana's washed. There's really no reason to give them the time of day. But I think when the game that the, the game is actually tipped, I think that it will be something that fans care about. Uh, and I do just appreciate that it's a chance to kind of just shut people up um, on Indiana side about the Christian Watford stuff. Oh, Cal's afraid to come back home. There's just all of that stuff that kind of came with it. And uh, I- I'm really excited to not deal with that anymore and just say, all right, let's get this ball tipped and see, you know, put your money where your mouth is because Indiana fans are very mouthy. Like they, feel entitled to uh, 
this the status in the current modern day of college basketball uh, among the the best of the best when really they haven't done anything of of substance in decades to justify that kind of entitlement. So I'm really excited for nothing else beyond I, I do think is important for college basketball to get the you know the the historical aspect back. But I I really am excited to just kind of have Cal go back in there and this Kentucky program and and tip that off and, and I, I think kind of re-cement what we all kind of thought and 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 personally feel about it. Um I'm personally very excited about it. I believe we have Sean back. Um, Sean, are you are you here? Maybe not. Okay, I don't know. We're we'll get him on very shortly. I, I think it, there's like an issue with this stream that whenever he uh, they they play the video over the top of this it kind of kicks him out of the stream and he can't hear on on his end so he has to leave and jump back in so uh, we'll get him him back on very very soon but we have a lot to get to on this show very excited for it before we do that um, my perfect franchise the source say podcast is brought to you by andy ludicky and my perfect franchise.net andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit and more. His services are 100% free and he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. I believe we finally have Sean back. Can you hear me loud and clear? I, I got you. So when that video played, I lost you in my ear. I didn't hear the video, the IU video or anything. So I was hoping that you could, uh, that you could hear me there when I was talking earlier. So I think you got me at that part, but now I do have you and let's roll. Yeah. I heard you heard you loud and clear. So I we're, we're good there. It's frustrating. Like I, why can't we just play videos? Like we have funny things to play good sound bites and things. And it kicks you out. It's like, why does StreamYard just have to not work? It's like, come on, man, this is no, and I, I apologize uh, for that, but I'm glad that we're back in here. I, I had, I had the video fine, but I, I was not able to get you at any point. So, uh, I feel like hearing you is more important than seeing you. So <laughs> I, need, I need to be able to hear you before we can do this. Absolutely. So I, I did ask you, and I, but before we move on, I did ask about Cal's quote where he says, this is a really important rivalry to our fans in the game of college basketball, and we're happy to bring it back. Uh, just how important is it to the game of basketball? Do you, do you buy the historic aspect of this, uh, that, that college basketball needs this rivalry? I think so. I think so, because honestly, I feel like over the years I've, I've lost interest in the, the non-conference schedule more so than what I used to have. And I think tradition is something and, and there's people probably that will disagree with me and there's people that will agree and that, that's part of it. But I remember growing up as a kid, it, it was every December it felt like basketball season because Kentucky would play North Carolina, Indiana, Louisville. And it was usually three weeks in a row. They wouldn't play any midweek games. It'd be a Saturday here, Saturday there, and then the third Saturday, and then the, and then it, you'd get into conference play. So I feel like from just maybe a, a, somebody that's followed the program for his entire life now, better part of 25, 26 years, Kentucky, Indiana should be playing every single season, whether it be neutral floor or, or home and away. And I, I think college basketball does need more games like this because at that point in the season, it's competing with the NFL. It's still competing with college football. It's bowl season. There needs to be matchups that that drive interest. And I think the storyline surrounding John Calipari, the Indiana program, the fact that they haven't played except twice in the NCAA tournament since that game in 2011. And, and yeah, I mean, Indiana's won some national championships. It's been a long, long time. 
maybe they're not in that tier of blue blood and more recent blue blood programs, but it feels like given the, the geography and the general location and kind of the, the fans on both sides, this is a game that would draw a lot of interest, not just in the local market, but the national market as well. So I think it's good for college basketball. And like you said, if you turn on ESPN on any given day, college basketball isn't even on their, I mean, 10th, 12th option on the tickers of the, you know, pardon my takes or the pardon the interruptions and the, you know, the, the round table discussion shows college basketball does not matter to them. And there has to be a reason behind it. But I also think, as you said, when there's such a massive interest here talking about bowl season and who's going to be in the playoff and this and that, like there's just really not an appeal for Kentucky versus Marshall on a Tuesday night at 930. Like people don't care about that in the grand scheme of things nationally. You know, we care about it because it's, you know, we're, we're different. We're, you know, Kentucky fans are a different breed, but I feel like things like this are needed, as you said, to get that conversation, at least, you know, get the the appetizer ahead of the real college basketball slate. Like, I feel like that's what is needed to really, you know, serve as the let's get people to care about college basketball early on. That's what Champions Classic is for, but it can't just be one event carrying the weight of the entire college basketball season, especially early on. So for that, especially, I, I agree. I think it's it's necessary to just get, get, get the conversation moving because college basketball is the best. Well, it's another thing too, like the the CBS Classic and where it's placed. There have been years where the attendance wasn't great at that event when they got it too close to Christmas. I remember one year in New Orleans, I think it was Kentucky and UCLA playing, and it was not the greatest crowd ever. And and you, you get good matchups. Like you got Kentucky Carolina this year in Atlanta. I think that's a perfect location for that event because you're going to get North Carolina fans coming over. Kentucky fans, we know, you know, their love for Atlanta and showing up in that area. So anything to add to the December schedule of college basketball, I think it's great. And you get two programs that these fan bases, it more so on Indiana's side, probably. I know Kentucky fans maybe I mean I, I, Kentucky's clearly the better program, like long term, short term, immediate right now. Like I think Kentucky's in a better position to to do some things, but it's a rivalry that needs to be played. It needs to be on the schedule. I've always been a big fan that at some point, Kentucky, North Carolina needs to go back away from neutral floors and play home and away. I, I want to see those matchups in those environments. I, I, it's it's at Rupp, the first couple, but the one I'm excited about the most, I do want to see what it looks like in Lucas Oil Stadium. I think that'll be a, a fun thing, but I want to see it at Assembly Hall more than I want to see it anywhere because that that's a college basketball environment. It's a It's a rich tradition place. I want to see that game be played there and erupt for the most part. And we'll see if it continues beyond that series. That's a long, or those years, that's a long time away. Final question on the topic. Is John Calipari the head coach at the University of Kentucky in 2028 for the return to Assembly Hall? You know, truly put out an over-under a moment ago, or maybe an hour or so ago at two and a half for those head coaches being the pairing for it. And it just goes back to what I was saying a moment ago. It's so far away, right? Like that's it's still two seasons until they play, and then it's what five seasons until that matchup. Mm-hmm. That's that's tight. That's close. I'm going to say no. That's just my gut. We're talking almost 20 years at Kentucky, if that's the case. And Cal will be 70 years old, so it's like it has nothing to do with ability. Like I hope he's here for uh, 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 until he's physically unable to coach anymore. I hope he's here, but. 
he will be 70 years old. The end of his contract is literally the year before that assembly hall trip. It it feels a little convenient. I'm just, I'm not, you know, just on paper, it does feel convenient. I hope he's there because I think that he would look to make a statement and beat the absolute hell out of Indiana up of an assembly hall. I do. Like, I think after so much crap he's taken for not returning to assembly hall, even though he tried to get Indiana in the CBS sports classic, he's tried to, you know, open the door to a neutral site game. He like, he's opened up the door to the return of the rivalry, but like, he's also going to play on his own conditions. And I don't blame him. Like if you understood what happened up in, in Bloomington that year in 2011, I don't blame him. Like it was a really, really crappy thing that Indiana fans did and how they were treated. And and Cal privately has kind of said, I, I never want to coach a game in assembly hall ever again. It, I don't blame him at all for not doing that. But if he does make it to this 20, 2028, 2029, I think he's going to look to make a statement and we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll, we'll, Plenty more to come down the road about this rivalry and, and just the return of that. But um, I will say the series itself means more to Indiana than it does Kentucky. I, I fully believe yeah. that. I think Indiana needs it more than Kentucky needs it. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, let, let's move on a little bit um, because the other big, I think, news item of the last week or so was – uh, Rajon Rondo gets uh, gets inducted into the UK Athletics Hall of Fame. His speech was unbelievable. Um, you know, talked about just the importance of being here, that the people around this program that he loves, Tubby Smith, and you know, all the way down to Michael Stone, the uh, you know, the academic advisor. I mean, it just he named every single person that touched his life in some form or fashion that allowed him to become a two-time world champion in the NBA and become you know one of the most brilliant minds to ever touch a basketball. I mean, he, he is known as one of the most brilliant basketball minds ever. And that led to a really interesting conversation this off season back in February. Uh, I had heard from several different places around the program that John Calipari had talked to him. He was already on, on, on campus taking classes, had talked to him about returning as an assistant coach, potentially as a, as a student assistant, kind of exactly the same role that Tyler Ulis had. I had talked to him and said, hey, if you're going to be around, you might as well, you know, get your hands on these kids and impact their lives and in their basketball lives in some form or fashion. And there was mutual interest. Rajan wanted to do it. I think the time commitment in the, you know, in case that call came, training camps coming up with the NBA, in case something came up that a team needed a backup point guard, in case an NBA team said, we want to hire you as an assistant coach and potentially down the road as a head coach. I think he just wanted to keep his options open and say, I don't want to get, I, I don't want to put myself in a position where I have to leave you guys empty handed down the road. If I'm going to commit to something, I want to be all in with it. And that's just not something I can I can do. He also had some uh, conflicts with his AAU program. Uh, that would have been a conflict of interest had he been an official member of the coaching staff. However, Sean, uh, we got to ask him before the UK Athletics uh, Hall of Fame speech about his coaching future. And he said that he does. He's, he has been in regular contact with John Calipari and says that he's going to be helping this this roster and can't wait to help however he can. And I'll get the exact quote in a second, but your early thoughts on Rajon Rondo being back around the program, even, even if it's an, an unofficial uh, role. You, you get a winner. 
back in your program, right? Like that, that's a winner. Multiple NBA titles, successful NBA career, been successful at the level that these guys want to make it to. And I think that's probably the most important part, right? Like these head coaches on the staff, you know, Cal and, and stuff, like it, it's a different, you're, you're preaching it and you're talking about the guys that have been in this program that have gone on to play there. The difference is those guys aren't here every single day. They're, they're here and they can communicate like Devin Booker and, and the way Anthony Davis and all these guys are still connected to the program. It's different when you got a guy that's in your program. you got Tyler Ulis who made it to that level too. you got those guys there every single day helping and around your guys. They can kind of bridge that gap and give advice and things and, and talk about what you have to do, especially at that guard spot, to make it to the, to the league and get that next step. I think that's what's so significant about it. And the more guys that you can bring back that have had success not only in this program, but the next stop, understanding what it's like to play at Kentucky, that's something that these coaches on the staff do not know. They've only coached here. They don't know what it's like to actually play here. You got two dudes now, if Rondo is here doing that, that have been in this program. They've been within this fan base for multiple times and multiple seasons. They know what it means to play and wear Kentucky across your chest. I think that is a huge thing for 18, 19-year-old kids that are hoping to do the exact same thing that those two guys did. I can't wait to see them. Can't wait to get my hands on them. I'm going to try to give them input however I can. Coach Kyle actually called me right before I got here. I told him I'm just happy to be around and be a listening ear for these young guys. All I ever wanted with this, like everything that I've wanted when the rumors came. I mean, Rajon Rondo is the reason why I became a Boston Celtics fan. Like I, I adore him as a basketball mind, what he was able to bring the the, the swagger and the mindset and just the approach to the game that he had with the Celtics on that, you know, he was the perfect complimentary piece with that big three team with, you know, KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen. I, I, I just adore that team. And a big part of that was because of Rondo and why I'm still a Celtics fan. Having that guy around Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Reed Shepard, Joey Hart, like you go down the, the entire, you know, Rob Dillingham won't know what it's like to be a pro's pro until he is around in, in that environment. Being at Kentucky is was the step in the right direction for him, you know, for to to embrace structure and understand the meaning behind, you know, what what's going to look like at the next level. If you're if you're going to make it at that next level, you got to make it at this level first. You can't just go to NC State and take 35 shots a game and just coast your way to the NBA. You got to figure out what it takes first. So you're not way behind to begin with and having a guy like Rondo, even if it's in an unofficial capacity, I would have loved to have him, uh, you know, as on the bench during games, that would have been awesome. But even to have him around and have him say with his own mouth, not just whispers and, you know, things about, Oh, I, I'm hearing that there's mutual interest. Like for him to say, I'm excited to be here and be a listening ear for these young guys. It's all I needed to hear because I already was really confident about the structure of this team. I was really confident about how cohesive it's all been and all, you know, all of that stuff. This was kind of like the last thing of like, I feel really good about that. Really, really good about that. You talk about recruiting too, right? Like you, you bring guys to campus and they see that Rajon Rondo's here and you get to be around that guy who had a ton of success in the NBA and like you said, there's there's a lot of guys out there that are probably Boston Celtics fans because of him, especially former like you know Kentucky fans that transitioned into the into that and stuff. And but no, it's it, it would be incredible if he is able to help this team out and the impact that he would have. And you got two dudes that are two entirely different players 
and Tyler Ulis and Rajon Rondo that can kind of bring you the entire complete package of the point guard position, right? Like you, you've got everything there at that spot. And can you imagine the growth and the progress that DJ Wagner would have and, and Rob Dillingham would have and what the, what these, the overall point guard position would look like. If, if one of those two has to say something, Jack, John Calipari is probably going to listen to what those two say because they have been in the moment. They've been in the fire not just in it, but in it at Kentucky. I, I always talk about Kentucky experience. It is a massive thing if you can relate to these kids, not just from an NBA side, but from a Kentucky side. And both of those guys can do that. And that is a massive thing for every single player on this roster. What did Cal say about Ulyss when he was on on the team? That he's an extension of the coaching staff on the floor. That's why he is where he is right now as an assistant coach and, and why – he says that he wants to continue playing his body. He's going to have to get back. Right. And you know, that's what we're rooting for. But um, that was the value of having a guy like, you know, he's going to be a high level coach at some point, whenever that time comes, because he's just a brilliant, he was the college version of what NBA people thought of Rajon Rondo. Like Rajon Rondo was seen as that extension of the coaching staff. Every stop along the way, there were a lot of, coaches that kind of said I let Rondo do a lot of the coaching because he was going to coach one way or the other he was going to make his point known one way or the other it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way at the NBA and that's kind of something you got to live with when you have a guy like Rondo to have that guy around your program with Tyler Ulis, who's kind of like the college version of that at Kentucky I mean could you ask for two better human beings to be around the program for this backcourt I mean I personally can. You can't, and and they know the ups and downs of this business, and it is a business, especially even more so now than it ever has been, even at the collegiate level. And two guys that know the program, two guys that know the game. You, you and I got to see Rondo this summer at, at Peach Jam and stuff, and being around, and just he he got the attention of the room the same way some other dudes that walk in down there. Maybe I mean LeBron obviously was the the center of attention and stuff when he was there, but I feel like Rondo was right there behind him too, and the the excitement about seeing Rondo and and the people and the, and the young kids and, and things about knowing who that was, and then seeing him interact with the the players on that team too, down at the end of the bench and how he would just put an arm around guys and kind of teach them for a moment when the game was over he'd be talking to guys that that's something that that I want to see within this program is when Cal takes one of these guys out. They go straight to Ulysses and Rondo. Can you imagine sitting between those two on the bench if you're DJ Wagner and hearing what you did wrong or what you did good or what you did need to do next? That, that is a big thing that not many programs in college basketball are going to have the luxury of having on their bench. Absolutely. We were very excited for it, and I'm glad that we finally got some level of closure for it because it was just I, – I saw all the comments. I saw all the questions of people asking what's going on with Rondo, and it was always like, He's on campus. He's here. Why, why are we not putting two and two together here? So I appreciate the, the, the closure here where yes, he is going to be around. That's what Cal's goal with this was the whole time. And um, that's very, very awesome. Uh, appreciate uh, that Cal was able to make that happen and, and Rondo for being around. Um, we're, we got one more ad to go and we have some fan questions to get to on, on from, from KS board uh, that Sean, a lot that you're going to like, but, I want to give a shout out because, okay, well, the guy that, okay, now he's back. Um, the guy, so last week on our show, we said SEC Nation is coming to Kroger Field for Kentucky, Florida. 
And if somebody can be shown with a a with a sign, a source to say sign, they could come on this show and ask questions for five minutes, however, whatever they wanted to do for five minutes as a thank you to making that happen. And not only did our guy BBN MJ show up, he was there on every single TV turn. I mean, every single corner of the screen, you had Tim Tebow talking, you had Paul Feinbaum talking, and you had our guy BBN MJ there with our sources say sign. And the other side of his sign said free big Z. So uh, BBN MJ, you win. I, I, he should be coming on right now. You win. End of story. We appreciate you coming on. What's going hey, on, buddy? Great, great. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me, giving the opportunity to be here, too. So, oh, man. well, first, first t- talk us through how you made the sign and how many questions you had asked about what the heck is this Sources Say podcast and, and why is it being shown on national television? Well, first of all, you know, we talked about Free and Big Z, and I wanted to kind of, you know, let the message out and, you know, having a chance like that at ACC Nation and all that. I know it's football, but we still talk basketball, too. That's 24-7. And, you know, with the sources, part, you know, the podcast, I mean, I'm a big fan. We have a lot of fans. And I wanted people to know. And believe it or not, when I was walking towards the stadium, as I'm holding a sign, people, like, knew exactly what it is. And I'm like, who's Big Z? Of course, everybody, like, oh, yeah, that's the Croatian kid. And I'm like, yeah. And then I flipped the sign around, and there are you guys. And, like, oh, sources podcast, Jack and Sean. I'm like, yep, we got to make sure we'll present. And I did try my best. I was there early, like almost 7 a.m., waiting every opportunity. Whatever the camera went, I went. So it was fun. It was great. I saw you, I saw you flip your wrist about yeah. 35 times, dude. I, like, I feel like you have arthritis or something. I needed another shoulder or two, man. It was <laughs> Holding it for that long was tough. But it was beautiful. And, of course, we beat the crap out of Florida, and that was amazing. And shout out to the fans, man. It was wild. They they made a difference. I really believe they made a big difference too. Well, yeah, I was I was wondering if you scouted out positions because I, I saw you moving around quite a bit. I, I was. There. I was. I even got to meet uh Tim Tebow, took a picture with him. Uh tried to talk to Paul. Paul wasn't, you know, he wasn't into talk to anybody. He was just kind of different. But it Tim, was cool. Tim, it was fun. Tim Tebow's on a whole different level of, of Paul Feinbaum, anyway. So you, you, you talked to, really, talk to the guy that mattered. Yes, and he's he's a great guy, man. He's a really cool guy. And I mean, of course, he's a Florida, but still, he's cool. Man. Well, wait, so, well yeah, great. What, what what do you got for us? We we want you to go rapid fire, whatever you want to know. We we promise, no, no question is uh, is off limits. Whatever whatever well, you want course. answered, we we'll talk about it. The the big question is obviously what's going on. Any updates on Big Z? You know, we I feel like you know I, we want to hope hope that we get him. You know, I really really hope we do. Uh, nothing against Aaron or you know the big guys we have, but still Big Z will make a big difference. I, I, well, I, I'm hoping that how much TV time your sign <laughs> got. I'm, I'm hoping that it like led to some admi- the admissions people going. Oh well. If BBNMJ wants him in, wants him in, we got to make it happen. Uh, yeah, I, I still hear that you know relatively good things. I think that there were some more holdups than they right. were. I think anticipating last week, and that's why I was kind of really vague about it last week. Um, the message still is: we're just trying to get this thing across the finish line. They still think that it can get done. We still have like a week and a half 
to get him on campus and make this happen. So I'm personally rooting for like a, like a WWE entrance, like a <laughs> under Undertaker return or something to get get him at, at Big Blue Madness and just introduce himself to the world and fans go absolutely crazy. I, I feel like if you're going to deal with all of this stuff behind the scenes, I feel like there has to be like a grand entrance. And I, I feel like that's something the fans would really appreciate too. All right, all right. And, you know, I saw the jersey he had uh, the one podcast we were talking about, MSS 44. So I was wondering if that was a hint or some kind of way, just curiosity, man. No, so I, I had gotten that from my guy, Jimmy Mahan, uh, who runs the, the Kentucky Roadshow card shop in Lexington. We're going to actually have a, a show with him where he go through the museum and talk about just the importance. I mean, he has some stuff that is the, the, the absolute coolest of, of any memorabilia I've ever seen. And, like, if you – have not been to his shop in Lexington. You have to stop in. You have to see it. Um, and I was there and, you know, just looking around and we were talking and getting getting around to it. And that was actually Dakari Johnson's game-worn Bahamas oh. jersey. Like that, nice, that was nice. the one that he wore down there in the 2014-15 the season. So uh, it just very conveniently worked oh. out time-wise uh, that he's number 44 and we're trying to get Big Z in. So uh, I have it hanging up right over there. So I, I'm that's going to be my, my big luck, my, my good luck charm. And, uh, I'm I, if if we get Big Z in, I'll wear that to Big Blue Madness. I'll I'll wear that'll be awesome. That, uh, that'll I'll wear awesome. that. Uh, Can I wear uh, my Mark Pope jersey? We'll we'll have to walk in together and get <laughs> made fun of. Like as they hand us the media credentials, I'll go. Yeah, you guys get just get the hell out. You have no business being here. Um, so yeah, that that was no hint or anything. That was just a. I I'm hoping for the best. I'm rooting like and I I think that the staff understands how bad that fans want him here. Like Definitely. they want him just as bad. So I think the message that, that the people around the program want out there is just because things are quiet does not mean that they're not working at this. They want it made very clear that they're doing whatever it takes to get this across the finish line. If this happen, if this doesn't happen, it will not be out of a lack of effort. So that was something that they just, you know, people around the program wanted made very clear that, just because things are quiet and just because things are silent does not mean that we're not working to get this thing done. Um, just, you know, if it just feels like once they get themselves in a position to get him here and like, they feel that, okay, we got a plain book for him next week. Let's make this happen. It's like two or three more things that, well, well actually we got to do this and this first, and then we can, it just, it's like one more thing is added to the docket for him and for, for the program. And I think there's a lot of internal frustration there. And, and I think that's why they, right. Uh, that's why I said last week they just want the outside noise shut up. And I, I do think somebody from up top probably um, put that message out there. But I think it also just help, does right. help the staff to just be able to tune out all the outside noise and just get this thing done. And I think that's their their hope and anticipation. Um, we, we'll, we'll talk about it here first if there is a, a major change. But I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm still holding out hope that we get an under, undertaker uh, entrance at Big Blue Madness. That'll be nice. That'll be nice. I'll hopefully get his jersey too. I mean, you know, he's he's a great. He'd be a perfect puzzle. The last piece of the puzzle, you know, the front core would be great. And with big guys, you know, being injured, that that takes time. That takes time. The seven footers usually take a lot of time, and that's my word, really. The front court with the injuries. Nothing against Aaron and Uganda. I mean, these are great players, but still, you want that one dude who can stretch the floor, shoot some smooth threes. It'd be nice. So yeah, we'll God willing, we'll get him. 
that that's the hope. I, I think he's going to be the icing on the cake, and that's the anticipation. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be a, a very busy week. We should have an update one way or the other, and um, I haven't gotten an official update yet on on the latest with Aaron Bradshaw and Ugo about when they're going to get back on. I was told that this week we'll kind of get an official timeline for return about like, all right, they're back at practice or it's going to be a couple, another couple of weeks. I've not gotten that quite yet. So I'll, I'll, you know, next, next show we do, I'll obviously make that happen. And we'll uh, certainly talk about um, uh, how excited the the staff is about uh, Aaron Bradshaw and how good he looks. And hopefully we get uh, big Z at, at practice sooner rather than later. Awesome, awesome. I'm God willing, man. I really appreciate this opportunity. And I uh, thank Big Blue Nation for accepting me as a part of the family because I'm not originally from here, man. I'm from another country overseas, and I became a huge UK fan like 15 years ago. I was actually brought up in Jersey, North Jersey, and I ran into, you know, Big Blue Madness one time, and I was hooked. And before you know, I'm crazy BBN. So I appreciate you guys. Love Big Blue Nation, and with God willing, I want number nine so bad. So well, bad. You, 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 and all of us, man, we we appreciate you coming on, and uh, shout out to the sign, man. You, we, we asked oh, BBN to follow through, and you, you should, you made that happen. Of course, I appreciate you guys, and go Big Blue, and let's get number nine, and hopefully, I don't think we're gonna beat Georgia, but I hope we will put a good fight. I think we will. I, I love the optimism, man. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, right. uh, we'll, we'll try to do this again soon. How about that? That was so that, that was so cool. I'll I'll say this: if if somebody ends up in Athens with a source of say podcast sign, we might have to get home. Might have to get on the full segment, like the whole. You can just you can just host the damn. You can show host the point. show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, before we get into some of the other stuff, we got some recruiting stuff to get to, and all that, and. Uh, do want to talk about our friends with game time. I know you are a big fan of game time. Uh, you should not have to worry when you're buying tickets. Now isn't the time for guesswork with, with last uh, killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and the best price guarantee game to game time does all of the hard work for you. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. And even an hour after it starts, it is the place to find last minute uh last minute tickets find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more with zone deals you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18 percent savings sean you have had experience with them you've uh, used them not once but twice Uh, i feel like a lot of fans probably need to use them down in athens this week you use our friends at game time uh just because it's going to be it's going to be rowdy, it's going to be hard to get tickets, and game time's going to have you covered if if you go down to Athens. I am going to tell a story here and maybe tell myself a little bit, but I had somebody text me yesterday and say, "Hey, any chance you know how I can get tickets this weekend?" And don't hate me, I didn't tell him because he's a Georgia fan, so I don't I don't want any more Georgia fans getting in that stadium. So uh, let's uh, let's let our listeners take those tickets, and the game time app's the way to go. You if, if you've never been to Sanford Stadium before. Beautiful stadium between the hedges, but you can go inside that stadium and see exactly where you want to sit. And there are plenty of tickets available. I know I got on there yesterday because a couple of people talking about riding down with me to just go to the game. So uh, definitely recommended game time. It's the easiest app to use. Get some tickets and let's go watch this football team do something special because I certainly think they have a chance this week. I do too. I, I feel I, I do feel really good about it just where where this team is the confidence level we had Vince Merrill on my radio show Sunday morning and he was just like 
we're tired of looking at the stickers on the side of helmets. We're just ready to lace these things up and kick that ball off. Like, I mean, we're, they're, they're just ready to roll. Uh, so yes. As, and if uh, I hadn't lost audio there at the beginning, I was going to say, I know this is a basketball podcast, but you got to give a shout out to what the football team did Saturday. Unbelievable performance. One of the most dominant performances I ever remember in, in Kentucky football history, as far as against an opponent that has kind of for years been the thorn in Kentucky side. It's not anymore. And uh, it was good to see the environment there and look, this fan base is even better when football's good and basketball's good. And that's what I'm hoping for. Great football Which season, is, great basketball season, and let these fans experience something great because it's been a while. It's been a bit. Which was the funniest part of the whole stupid basketball school versus football school part was if you actually watched the entire Cal interview, he said, football being good makes my life easier and makes my recruiting easier because – we take these recruits to games and we, you know, they, they feel the environment in the atmosphere of big blue nation. As we saw on Friday, they had big Pat on campus, Patrick and Gamba. They had him on campus, took him to the Florida game with the entire basketball team. Oscar Sheway, Jacob Toppin were both there recruiting this kid to Lexington. It's like, that's what was missing with all of that, that everybody just kind of lost behind is Cal said very blatant, very bluntly, my life is easy when the football team is good. So I kind of need them to be successful so we can continue to be successful. They go hand in hand. So this is nothing but a positive. Cal or, or Kentucky beating the hell out of Florida, going down competing against Georgia, leading up to Big Blue Madness next week. I mean, you could not ask for a better situation unfolding for, for Kentucky. If Kentucky goes down to Athens and beats Georgia right before – when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big Blue Madness, I think it's going to help with basketball recruiting. I do. It, it absolutely is. And, and honestly, Kroger Field is the best experience and thing that they can use in recruiting. It's the it's the best way to show the power of BBN. you got 61,000-plus out there waving pom-poms and half of it wearing white and half of it wearing blue. And the blue white chant the other day, I, it was loud in the stadium, but I went back on TV and listened to it today. And when the announcers were quiet for a moment, it was like, the loudest I'd ever heard it. And I was like, I cannot believe how loud that environment was for a noon kickoff. Uh, the BBN certainly showed up and pounded some beers and, and did exactly what Mark Stoops asked them to do. And Jack, I don't know about you, but I, I can't believe I, I did this last night. I was on another show and I actually called an upset this weekend. I picked Kentucky to win the game. And it's just, I just feel like that this time around is different. I think that this program, I know we're supposed to be talking basketball, but as good as that football team was on Saturday, I had to give them a shout-out for just how good they were and Mark Stoops and the job. How about Brad White? Un unbelievable. And you've been, you've been tweeting a lot about football, too. We've, we've been flooding Twitter with football for the last few weeks, so uh, I hope they go good win Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. A fan asked, what, what jersey is Sean wearing? My apologies for j jumping in. I'm sure he's mentioned it. Mark Pope, baby. Look, Mark Pope. Uh, little snug. A little snug. 
it's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, but we got some some recruiting stuff to get to. Uh, some news, and I think we're going to have some news coming down the pike sooner rather than later in, in the recruiting front, as we talked about with uh, if as the football team is good and uh, momentum builds around Big Blue Nation, the fan, the recruits feel that excitement just as much on the football side as even more so on the basketball side. So um, I watched very closely, Sean, how Cal operates in the next two weeks. Cal, I've heard from several different people that, uh, and we, I mean, just the the sample size we, we've seen historically, Cal loves building momentum around Big Blue Madness, but especially at that early signing period. He likes having a really nice foundation set of, one or two headliners in a class to really get this thing moving, to lay the foundation to recruit other guys and say, you want to go play with this guy? Well, he's already signed. He's already ready to go for us. Why don't you come join him? That is the way Cal operates. And I don't think that this year is going to be any different. I would be absolutely shocked if we don't get some positive recruiting news in the next two weeks. I I think, again, Cal likes, you know, G's moving silence like lasagna. Cal likes to get things orchestrated in such a way that uh, it builds very positive PR around the program, around the most interesting and, and you know, w- around the, the peak of fan interest, which is Big Blue Madness. I think he, he's going to try to put two and two together there. And I would be absolutely shocked if we don't get um, some type of news very, very soon about uh, a potential addition. Who could those individuals be? We'll talk about a couple of them. Um, Big Bo- Boogie Flan is somebody that Cal has seen now four times in the last three weeks, just just under three weeks, actually, uh, has seen him four times now. Um, I've been told from several individuals that it is a head-to-head battle between Kentucky and Indiana, 1A, 1B, coin flip between those two with Al- – or Kentucky and Indiana with Alabama uh, sitting solidly behind both of them. Um it's like they're trying to one up one another, Sean. Of okay, Cal is up at uh, at Boogie's uh, Boogie School, watching open practice and meeting him in person. Very next day, Mike Woodson and three assistants go up to New York and and go to see them. It's like they know that it's you know it's like they're they're throwing knockout blows in round twelve, knowing that the finish line is right here. I was told that this will not make it to November. This recruitment will not make it to November. Um, Kentucky is right there. It depends on the day. If I get the feel that that Kentucky is in the lead or if Indiana is in the lead, but it's like barely one way or the other, either way. And I think it's part, you know, partly the, the, a kid being torn knowing that, okay, if I go to Indiana, I'm going to have a bigger role there. I'm going to be the guy I'm going to be able to show, show my abilities as the star or, I can go to Kentucky. He's a New York kid. He has the, the flair, you know, the big apple charisma. Like he, he embraces that. And I think he feels that he could go to Kentucky under the bright lights of Rupp arena and college basketball's biggest stage and be that same dude and prove himself on college basketball's biggest stage. It's going to be really interesting to see how these next couple of weeks go. Um, I, it's not done. It's still, I mean, neck and neck. There's a reason why Kyle was there this week to, to see him. Um, but We'll see what happens. Cal Cal likes orchestrating these things and keep a close eye on that. The timing is working out very, very nicely for 
uh, th- this to be the home stretch of this recruitment job. Yeah, and, and that's what you were saying a moment ago. The the way that things are trending now with the the visits and the the in home and getting to campus and checking in and, and all the reports that are coming out in that recruitment tells you it is getting close and it's getting close to to being done. And if it comes down to it, Jack, what are the I know it's probably a tough question, but what are the one to two things that you think Kentucky has to do to to get that one done? You you can't make this up, Sean. Travis Branham tonight, Indiana. It will be full staff tomorrow morning to go to, at, at, before school to see Boogie Flan. The source tells two four seven sports. I promise I hadn't seen that yet. I so did see our friend. I, I did see our friend no Travis Branham walking through the uh, Arboretum parking lot the other day during tailgate, and we had a nice conversation. He asked me where you were. And uh, I guess it, it's just a given thing that me and you are together when it comes to UK athletics events. <laughs> so, uh, no, perfect timing, Travis. Just like we said. No, it, it, it never fails. But, again, it is haymaker, 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 haymaker. Who's going to be the last person standing? Cal typically does very, very well in these type of uh, recruiting environments. Uh, but it's about what the kid – and the kid is different. He is a guy that – is as tight-lipped about his recruitment. I I have asked him in an interview before, do you do this on purpose? Do Are you a bad interview on purpose? And he's like, well, what do you mean by that? I said, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you refuse to give anything in any interview you have ever done. And he goes, yeah, it is on purpose. I know exactly what I'm doing. And I'm like, I knew it. I knew it because he goes above and beyond. You ask, uh, who's prioritizing you in your recruitment right now? He goes, all the schools that have offered me are are prioritizing me exactly the same. And I really appreciate this opportunity to have so many schools that want me at their program. And it's like, okay, that's great. But who's actually going all in on you? Well, they're all going in on me. It's just like, it's this teeth pulling, talking to him. He's great. He's unbelievable. One of the best kids I've, I've come in contact with doing this job. But he also knows how to play the game really well. He only puts out there what he wants out there. And that has made this recruitment in, in particular. It's like you can get to it's going to be Kentucky or Indiana, and they are duking it out down the stretch to get him. But like the who's trending today, who's, you know, it's just kind of one of those we'll have to see. I, I, Kentucky feels confident, but I know Indiana feels very confident too, talking to people around the Indiana program. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, Perfect what do timing you think for this rivalry, right? Like for it to be renewed. <laughs> it's, 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 I think Charlie Donovan even said something about that. He was like, in the short term, which side will Boogie Flan be playing on? Because that is something to keep an eye on because there's a chance that he's back for years. So he wouldn't be playing. He would be on the year before the series or comes back. But if he is back for a year or two, he would be probably the headliner of that entire game. So that's. Definitely, definitely something to keep a very close eye on. Uh, another individual to keep an eye on, and we have some some fan questions on, on KS board. Uh, we'll run through rapid fire. We don't want this to be over an hour. So the end of this show is going to go very, very quick. We'll we'll try to hit these as, as fast as possible. Um, I would watch Jaden Quaintance. I think that that is a guy that Kentucky sees as the home run threat in their class. He is kind of the guy that if, if you can land him, and build a class around him because of what his potential is. 
knowing that he's a two-year guy and maybe he comes to campus and stays for one year and then goes to the G League a year afterward you know it, you just got to get him for that first year and then deal with all the, the rest of that afterward but he is a guy that John Calipari sees as, as his next max, max contract he sees Jaden Quinton says if you're going to land a if you're going to push all your chips in on one guy Jaden Quaintance is that guy and and I have heard privately that's what they're doing with Jaden Quaintance. And I think it is very interesting that Missouri, he takes an official visit to Missouri. And usually when you go to, when you hear about an official visit, it's, oh my gosh, it was the best official visit we've ever heard. Can, you know, this ex school has firmly put itself at the, the, you know, the top of his recruitment. You didn't hear that with Missouri and they were, everybody was anticipating that going into that Missouri trip. And then you didn't hear that. And then there's this Kentucky buzz that's kind of circling. And then Missouri takes a seven foot two center, four star kid, top 100 recruit within, you know, within the week. I, the dominoes are starting to fall in such a way that I would keep a very close eye on that one, Sean. And uh, if a commitment does come very, very soon, I think Kentucky um, should be viewed as viewed view as a very very heavy favorite in that one. Yeah, and he's he's got the frame too, right? Like that's that's the type of frame that not only makes it at Kentucky but makes it at the next league too and, and where he's wanting to go. And uh moves well for his size, long, long arms. I mean a really, really talented player that you you put him in this class and you start to really like about where Kentucky's going in twenty four and the the other possible additions that they could get. But if if they're able to get Jake Quaintance, a guy that'll I mean every every recruiting guy loves him. Every everybody loves his game and what he can be, and I, he could be definitely a physical presence for this program. That you can, uh, he fits right in from day one. If Kentucky's able to land him, that'd be a huge get here, especially if you can get it done in the early signing period and get some momentum. And, and you mentioned how Cal lines things up and, and how things happen with visits, but it feels like that Champions Classic event every year is right at the perfect time too, because you're on the national, you're in this national spotlight playing one of the the programs in Kansas, Duke, or Michigan State, but you're also signing day is right there too. And you're announcing multiple five stars or multiple dudes in your class. And uh, I would expect Kentucky to be in position to do that again. What happened last year? Big Blue Madness was Aaron Bradshaw. Champions Classic was DJ Wagner. That's not an accident. Like Cal understands that that is when all eyes are on his program. And Aaron Bradshaw is, you know, a guy that you want to put on a pedestal. DJ Wagner. That was one of the biggest gets of John Calipari's career for ob obvious reasons. That came out when it did for a reason. I, I would keep a very close eye on it. You know, it's not a guarantee that either of them are going to be Wildcats, but just the, the timing of when guys are trending toward a decision, where Kentucky stands with those guys, those things are not a coincidence. And the pushes prioritizing those guys too, right? Like, I mean, they're they're all in and, and wanting those guys, and you know the message about how they fit with next year's class and and things. I think uh, if you can really jumpstart this thing, I know you've got Sompto in there who we had on last week, but if you can add those two to the mix, and depending on who comes back from this team, you're at least liking what they're doing and, and piecing together with some newcomers coming in, and and it'll be interesting to see what this class does look like in the end. I mean, it's still, like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a process. Missouri comes to, is that a game at Rupp in December, I believe. I think, I think it so. is. Isn't it? Yeah. So that's, that's the one that you're going head to head there with, uh, with Jaden. So uh, 
what are the chances he's a Kentucky Wildcat before Missouri comes to town there in December? Hopefully that November signing window, Kentucky's got a few more names in that class. Uh, Chaka uh, comments says, is Jack going to give us 30 seconds on how excited he is to have Drew Holiday join the Celtics? Very, yeah. It's very heartbreaking because I am a Time Lord fan. Robert Williams is, you know, Love that guy. Marcus Smart was the heart and soul of the team. I lost both of them this offseason. Grant Williams, eh, take him or leave him. I appreciated him for who he was, but now I can kind of stop pretending to like him because he's a Celtic and appreciate my hatred uh, of him for his, you know, the Tennessee reasons. Uh, He's gone, but losing Marcus Smart and Rob Williams absolutely crushed me. But getting Kristaps Porzingis and Drew Holiday in the same offseason – I personally think that there is a heavy favorite in the NBA and it's my favorite team. Just, just so happens to be that way. And I'm very, very thankful for that. Uh, Drew holiday is, mm, that, that was one of those guys that like you always wish you could have him on your roster, but it just never works out because he's on another contender being a pain in the ass to you. So I'm glad that he's going to be a pain in the ass to everybody else and not us anymore. Uh, so yes, I do appreciate that. Uh, that as a, a Celtics fan for you, I got to spend some time with a guy that you probably know pretty well within that organization with uh, Michael Shrewsbury yesterday, since he yes. was an assistant with, uh, with Brad Stevens. So had had quite a bit of conversation about the Boston Celtics. He was very good in his time with with Boston as a coach. I mean, he was excellent. There's a reason why he got the jobs that he has since leaving Boston. He's he's excellent at what he does, and I think Notre Dame's in uh, the the right hands. Let's go uh, knock out some of these other questions. Have you heard any other notes on players from the practices? Connor Rigg asked that. Yes, um, I heard that Robert uh, Robert Williams. I'm in in my Celtics bag. Uh, Rob Dillingham, I heard, was absolutely tremendous last week, uh, was a very clear standout, physically looks the part, feels the part, uh, has made an obvious jump from what we saw of him in July versus where he is right now. Exactly what I wanted to hear uh, after that. And I heard Jordan Burks is looking very, very nice and has fit in quite nicely doing all the extra stuff that I think um, will put him if he's going to play this year, that's going to be the stuff that gets him on the floor with front court depth. That's going to, you know, it's not going to be a, a, a sexy position to be, you know, not, it's not going to be a sexy role for him to play, but it's going to be a role. And if he wants to play in year one, that's going to be the one, you know, can he be the Lance Ware replacement? Can he be that grit guy that's going to come in and just make an impact, make winning plays? That's going to be how he gets on the floor. And I think he's embraced that. Uh, I think there was some pushback there early about, you know, that's not what I've ever been. Why are you asking me to do that? But as he's bought in, I think there's kind of been a a, a, a mentality change. And I think that has translated to a physical change with him. So those are the two week one standouts. I'll, you know, check in this week and see if there's any, any other change about who, who's looking good and all that. But very, very two interesting names that popped up first for, for me in, in practice news. And it's a good thing. I think it's a good sign because I'll tell you from a coach's standpoint, these early practices now, you're probably, I'd say, seven in now at this point. It may be somewhere around six, seven, eight, whatever the, the day is now. But these are the most competitive sometimes because you're you're fresh, you're, you're coming off the – the summer and not being able to actually have practice together and actually work on things or do things. It's a lot of defensive drills. I know there's a ton of shell drill in there, probably transition drills and things. It's the most competitive time is that first week, two weeks, because guys are fighting for their spot. They're fighting to to stay 
above water when it comes to on this roster. And when you got that many competitors on the floor together, it brings out the best in you. And I think it's really good that we're hearing from those two positive things because they got the benefit of going through the summer, seeing what they need to work on and coming out ready to fight. Right. I think we learned a lot about the other guys on this roster. Those were two guys we were kind of wanting to know more about. And I think it's good to hear that they're, they're performing well early. The ghost of Pete Gillen asks, if you gave Cal true serum, what recruiting miss from the last five to 10 years would he tell you hurt the most? I have one, but Zion. It's that's a there. good one. That's a good one. I think Cade Cunningham because of what happened after the fact, because I think so much was banking on Devin Askew not being the guy. You know, I think the, the whole idea of having a guy like Devin Askew in was to play a secondary role and let him ease his way into college basketball and, you know, do what he does best as a catch and shoot guy and, you know, be a dog defensively and things like that. While Cade, you know, they pushed all of their chips in on Cade Cunningham to, to, to be the star of the show. And then you didn't come up with that secondary, the, the, the other star piece. And you just kind of had to say, well, we'll see what happens with Devin Askew. And it was a miss. I mean, and it just, that situation was what it was. It sucks. But that was, I think from what the, from, how bad it hurt the team and how much I know Cal, you know, hearing stories from behind the scenes, horror stories of that 2020 season. That was just awful. And the chemistry issues that that team dealt with and how hard Cal was on the guys and just understanding. It's like when, when you know that you don't have the dudes, Sean, you don't have the pieces of the puzzle and you just kind of have to just put it all together and figure it out and go, these, these pieces don't mit they, they don't, they, they don't match. And knowing that Devin Askew was a big part of that and Cade Cunningham was kind of the missing part of that. And it was kind of a wonder. That it, I think that if you were to ask Cal, which one hurt the most, I think you'd say Cade, but Zion's up there. And and that miss and, and not just one miss, but you know, there, there were some misses there down the, the stretch. So we're at what, 19, 20 and, and 21. I mean, they got some guys, but they also missed on, on some guys in the front court and in the back court that it kind of set them up to have to lean heavily on portal there for a bit. They weren't getting the guys that they wanted. They got late. I remember uh, one of the first years me and you were recording together. I think they, it was the class that was a small class at, at one point. And then they've had some small classes at one year. It was Bryce Hopkins, Damian Collins and, and stuff. I think another guy that I would throw in there, and I don't really know if it really qualifies as a miss because they kind of went with the choice, but Trey Young, I would have loved to have seen Trey Young in this program alongside Shea. I don't know how it would have worked with the ball, but I, I could definitely see Trey knocking down shots with Shea with the ball in his hands. I think that would have been fun to see. Um, John P. Ryan said Miles Bridges, and I think that's a big one f- as we talked about how much it hurt Kate Cun- missing on Cade Cunningham, how much that hurt the, the construction of the roster. I think from a better fit standpoint, I think Miles Bridges would have been a game-changing piece on that roster, and it was kind of a him or Winion Gabriel Tight deal, and I think that would have been a clear upgrade at that Who's position. Had, had it been by the way, who's, who's also a, tall. also a Boston Celtic? Yeah, also a Boston Celtic. We'll 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 see how that one was how that one goes. James Wiseman obviously is the big one, but that was you know they had him locked up. That was a done deal until it wasn't. You know, until it, you, there's nothing you could do about that one. When the one guy who couldn't go to the one school. 
it, it, it unfolded that way. And it was just like, you know, it is what it is. You, you know, control the controllables. And that was not a controllable on their part. You know, they tried, they, they, they tried their, their hardest. Um, Carol mentions in there now too, in the comments. Paolo was a big one. There, there's um, been some big ones. There's been some big ones. Mm-hmm. Jaden Hardy is a big one too. Um, just because kind of similar situation with James Wiseman, when you build so much around a certain guy thinking, thinking that he's going to be the, you know, centerpiece of your class. And then he, you know, takes a turn to the last second and you kind of have to scramble to find a replacement that hurts. So uh, I think there's a long list, but I'll take the guys that Cal has gotten over the years tenfold. You know, there's a reason why the list of misses is like one guy here or there each year versus an entire roster constructed of at least people in the conversation for contenders. And I think that's the more encouraging thing about the roster he's put together this year is he got the top end guys. He got the guys that he wanted. They got the dudes on their roster that they were recruiting the hardest. And for people that there for a couple of years are like, oh, he's lost his touch in recruiting. He certainly found a way to get it back because what they brought in is uh, certainly in a position to, to have a great year. Um, some questions about Billy Richmond. Uh, there's some, you know, he, just took an official to Memphis. Memphis is the top contender there. LSU kind of sort of feels good about them. I, I don't think they're a real threat. Um, I think it's going to be Kentucky or Memphis, but I would still be absolutely shocked if it's anybody. But I, I think all of this is window shopping. I think when push comes to shove and he actually has to make a decision, there's just way too much putting pushing Kentucky that direction. And they're, they haven't stopped recruiting him. They're still – going going hard on him and you know i think i think at the end of the day it's a kid playing the recruiting game exactly the way you're supposed to taking the visits you're supposed to but when push comes to shove there's a school that's always in his heart and i think that school is going to be kentucky so i i may i'll i'll be shocked if i'm wrong but you know it's happened in the past and it'll happen in the future i just don't think it's going to be the case there with with billy richmond one for you what about carter knox and, and things about where Kentucky is. And, and, and if that's to me, that's that's one. And I, I was having this discussion with someone else this week about if, if you can take him and, and you can get him. I, I think you get him one because we know that Kevin's trajectory in the NBA. And I'm not trying to, this is no knock on Kevin Knox. He's got his money and he's got paid. But I think this would be the case that if for, for Carter, that there would be no rush to go to the next step because you, you kind of want to see and Kentucky, there's some trust there, Jack. Like, what what do you think about that one? I know that one's not maybe. We've not talked about that one as much the last few weeks. I think Kentucky has decided that he is in the next run of guys. I think there are the guys that Cal wants and the assistants are going all in on. And and then there's the next level of guys that if they don't land on some of the top-end guys – that's going to be the next next man up. Um, I, they like him, but they don't love him. It, it's one of those deals that he plateaued pretty hard. Then he started trending back upward in a good direction and then kind of plateaued again. And it's just like, I think this year, <coughs> this year at OTE is a huge year for him to kind of reestablish himself as a dude. And I, it's a good thing that he's not going to be in a, an early signing period guy. He's going to wait until the spring, no matter what. So, it's good. It's a good thing for both sides for for Carter to figure out what he's looking for in his recruitment. But it's also going to be a way for Kentucky. They're going to be at OTE. They're going to monitor Somto obviously very closely. It's going to be a way for them to get a real feel on Carter if he's 
you know, ready to be a, a high level impact guy at Kentucky. And I, I just don't think that's clear quite yet. Uh, it's going to be another one that they monitor very closely, but I think it's going to be a minute before we reach a conclusion on that one. Um, and, and like you said, the, the the recruitment, you know, with Sompto being at OT, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to see him and, and stay in contact and see how he's developing and things. So want to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, got a couple more. We'll go rapid rapid fire before we get out of here. Um, I like this one quite a lot from our guy, Jacob Polachek. Um, two, two on two matchup game to 11. Jack Pilgrim and Kaysen Wallace versus Sean Smith and DJ Wagner, who wins? Me and DJ. Absolutely. <laughs> Me and DJ. I don't know, man. I think I got I think I got the clamps on. So somebody else said in a follow-up question on this, it has to be you guarding Kaysen and me guarding DJ. How many fouls do I get? In a game to eleven, <laughs> I feel like I feel like if you need to know I'm, that number, getting, you're cooked. I'm getting posted. <laughs> every every position, I'm getting posted. So uh, yeah. if you if need I'm to know fine. how many fouls you have, I think you're answering your own question that you you're cooked. I have a teammate, but I, you know what? We're still going to win because I'm going to get some gap help, and we're going to let you shoot the ball. How dare yeah. you? How? How or, you? or how many fouls we'll get so we can put you at the free throw line. But we don't hey, get free throws in the game. I shot do. 71% <laughs> this year at Fantasy Camp. Thank you very much. 71%. It, I, talk about most improved player. I went from 44% last year all the way up to 70, 71%. I was proud of you. I was proud of yeah. you. And, and we know the the revenge tour starts now, right? I know you're, you're going to be putting in work to get back there next August. And uh, But, yeah, I'm still, me and DJ are still taking you. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, Trey UK says you get to go back in time and change the outcome of one of these games and you only get to pick from these games. You also uh, won't know what would have happened afterward. However, what intrigues you the most uh, if the, the cats would have won 2010 versus West Virginia, 2017 versus UNC, 2018 versus Kansas State, 2019 versus Auburn. 2020 COVID never ha never happens and they play in the NCAA tournament. So the the quickly Hagen's uh Nick Richards bunch. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm gonna go just given the trajectory of where the program's been and not been there in a while, I'm gonna go the most recent one, the the COVID year. I'm gonna I wanna know what a backcourt of Emmanuel Quickly and Tyrese Maxey would have done in the NCAA tournament. I'd like to have seen it because that tournament comes down to guard play, and they had two dudes that could do it. And I know Ashton Higgins had his you know struggles and stuff there there down the stretch, but Johnny Juzang just had a good game. Keon Brooks was coming on strong. Nick Richards was a rim protector, and, and I think in the interior, I, I think that team was built <laughs> to to finish somewhere between the Sweet Sixteen and winning a national championship. I, I don't know, but I would have liked to have seen what it would have been, and and I think it would have taken some of the negativity away that followed in the last few years because they would have probably made a run in that tournament. Um, I think I'm going to go Auburn because that's a final four guaranteed because that was the only elite eight of that bunch. That's a great. So point. if you are guaranteeing me a final four, whereas 2020, yes, I'd love to see what quickly and Hagen's and Nick Richards and, you know, all those guys would look like in the NCAA tournament game. 
you also Ooh. never know what happens with the tournament. Yeah, 2018 versus Kansas State. That's only in the Sweet 16. That only gets into the Elite Eight. I like their chances against Loyola Chicago and just how the that path looked. So that that's was kind of my second. That was kind of my runner up. Um, and UNC, that one's tough because that well, UNC was an Elite Eight too. So. They win. They win a national championship if they get past that game. So that's so, probably a guaranteed title in my opinion. So that adds another title. I still think if PJ and them had gotten to the final four too, that that was a championship. I, I do. So, and I'm all about yeah. five-year windows and that's still in that five-year window of the, of the COVID year. So I'm with you. You bring up a good point. If we change COVID not happening, there's no guarantee that Kentucky would have even won a game in that tournament. We did have guarantees that they had gotten to those rounds and it would have been at least final four appearances. So this it, was, I think uh, for, for recency bias, I, I think for, yeah. For the current state of restlessness with the fan base going, we need this Final Four, no Final Four since 2015, blah, blah, blah. Like having that 2019 one for, re, you know, it kind of gives you a little bit of a cushion there. And I do think that that team was clearly capable of winning it all. That, that, that's a really tough question. That's a really, really good question because I, well, I could see a reason. I can see an answer for all of them, especially 2017 too, because – it was either Kentucky or UNC winning the championship that year. If whoever was winning that game was winning it all. That was the most guaranteed national title of the grouping. Uh, but the other one, 2010, would have got them to a Final Four too. So there were three games there that would have, if we'd have gone the other way. But that one's so early in the success that followed. Since I know what followed it, I don't know what would have followed the other ones. I think that's why I'm kind of leaning later than than earlier. And if Kentucky wins it all that first year – what does that do to Cal? Does 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 having a title in 2010, a uh, championship game in 2011, and then another title in 12? There were there was already just an endless amount of NBA chatter immediately after that. You know, every year really, but especially in that window, does two titles change anything with his personal decision that could have changed the entire trajectory after that, where we don't even get UNC, Kansas State, Auburn with the COVID year. So. I actually think the fact that he hasn't won a second title has probably been one of the long, one of the biggest reasons why he's still coaching at Kentucky yeah. and still wanting to do it. I, I think that he doesn't want his legacy just to be won. I, for someone that will probably tell you he doesn't care much about it, I think he cares a lot about it. And I think that he wants a second one because early on there was a ton of talk about – do we catch UCLA? Is that why I'm here? I remember that from an interview and he's, he's added one to it and UCLA is obviously not moved, but I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to go North Carolina in 17, just because I, I think it would have been a national title, but it also eliminates that stupid shot that we have to look at for the rest of our lives. It's not as, I don't want to say it's not as bad as Leitner, but to have one to both of those programs, ugh. I'd, I'd like to get one of them out of the way. So, and that would have been a Kentucky national title. And North Carolina had two teams there back to back that could have won national championships that wouldn't have won national championships. So, takes one from them, gives one to Kentucky. I think it's probably the easiest answer now that I think about it. John Piran asks, Is UK having a pro day? Yes, they will. That's going to be announced in the next couple of days, I've heard. So, keep an eye on that. Um, but yes, there will be a pro day. Um, and I, I think it's going to be televised. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% certain about that, but I do think that there is a great, better chance than none that it will be televised. But I, there, there will be one no, no matter what. Um, 
Last one here before we get out of here. Wildcat Dub says, what vibes are you getting from this team from a chemistry standpoint? They looked great in Toronto and seemed to enjoy each other, but the, uh, that was brand new and a lot of changes once school begins. People start forming different relationships. Do these guys seem to get along? Can't have locker room issues this year like we did last year. Two thumbs up. Would recommend this locker room chemistry to anybody. It is that is why this team is going to work. I think that was the one thing that I was not sold on because it was so many different personalities that you were trying to mesh together coming from different backgrounds and styles of play and people that had had the balls in their hands for the entirety of their, you know, middle school, high school, grassroots careers. And then you're going to ask them all to come, come together and, figure it all out in Lexington. I just didn't know if this would be a group that could make it happen. I was proven wrong very, very quickly. We saw in Toronto, I've heard nothing but amazing things behind the scenes about uh, how they're coming together, their mindset and their just approach to the game and how you cannot get these dudes out of the gym and that they're leaning on John Welch to get them in practice and get shots up. And like, they, they want this, they have a winning mindset. They, they care about winning a national championship here at Kentucky and that's half the battle. You just got to have a buy-in with these guys, and they all come from winning backgrounds. That's something that I didn't give enough credit going in. I was more focused on their styles of play and where they came from from a, a, a stylistic perspective rather than their their cultures and the identities and what made them tick, and that is what is clearly won out and the cream rising to the top with this team. I have zero concerns about team chemistry and um, what's going on behind the scenes with this team. I, I think they have all of the right mental pieces to to be a national title contender this year, one, 100%. Yep. I think that's the starting point is the cohesiveness and being together. And I think that this team has it. I have no concerns about it. And uh, I think that you're going to see – there's always that thing, right, that likable Kentucky teams, the teams that are just easy to like, this is going to be one of those teams as well. The, the personalities, the way you're going to get to see them through stories with us and through things that we talk about. but but also on screen, I think you're going to really like these guys, and I think that you're going to see that they're together from day one. Regardless if they lose a game or two early in the season, you're, you're going to see a group that's connected and together, and I think it's going to pay off in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sean, let's go ahead and get out of here. We went long again. I know there were some people complaining in the comments last time around that we – Well, like one or two long. maybe. Yeah. As long as, as, long as we uh, – we make the 99.9% happy, then uh, I'll go with the 99.9. I'll do the numbers. I'll do the math. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with the results. I, I appreciate each <laughs> and every one of our listeners. As always, let's go ahead and get out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. And like I said, get tickets, go to Georgia, support the Cats. Kevin Price said that they're, the game time's already selling basketball tickets. So good. Some of them, champions yeah. and stuff, probably is on there. And some others. Yeah. So again, game, game time's the goat. I don't know why you would even think to look elsewhere for your ticketing needs. So uh, make sure you go to game game uh, game time. Uh, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code KSR for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code KSR for twenty dollars off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Sean, you can find my work on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources Day podcast. We will see you then.